I'm excited this morning. Uh, we're going to be picking up where we left off these last couple weeks. Y'all remember what we've been talking about? Amen. Somebody's been paying attention. We've been talking about your money. <laughs> been talking about your money. Uh, and so we're, we're going to try and uh, wrap this up. I'm excited. I feel like God's uh, got something specific he wants to say to us this morning. Uh, we're going to recap like we have been. But really, financial freedom, God, he wants his children to be totally free. Man, in all areas of our lives. And he especially wants his, his children to be financially free and financially blessed. Because when God's children are financially free and financially blessed, y'all, the world's a better place. We can grow the kingdom of God. We can, we can love on hurting and broken people. God can begin to work in and through us. Right? And how do we expand the kingdom of God? It takes people, uh, but it takes money too. <laughs> and, and so God, he, he wants us to be good stewards of what he gives us. Amen. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and look at that, that first point. We're going to hit some recap points before we, uh, we get into the new part of the message this morning. And so we just asked that question a couple weeks ago. We said, what does it mean to be financially free? We said it means uh, we're able to live and give without the anxiety that comes from financial lack. Y'all, and that's exactly what, what God the Father wants for his children. He doesn't want us to be bound uh, by anxiety, by fear, by debt. You know, we're slave to the lender. A lot of us, so many people and Americans and people all over the world, man, we, we live outside of our means. We live paycheck to paycheck and we struggle. And that's all we experience, lack and stress, financial uh, pressure. And, and God, he wants us to be able to live and give without that, with that freedom that comes. When I actually, when I'm honoring him as my provider and my father with my finances through the tithe, we're going to be talking about tithes and offerings and, and budgets and all that stuff. This morning, but, but when I do that, then I can step into a new level of financial freedom. We said, you know, uh, we're all over the grid, right, financially speaking. Some of us are, are doing great. We're doing awesome. We have savings. We got uh, college funds established. We got emergency funds. Uh, we're, we're good with our money. We're paying our bills on time. And then some of us, we're not doing so good, right? We, maybe we are struggling. Maybe I don't have a job right now. I'm trying to get a job and we're barely making it, man. And it doesn't matter where we're at. Man, we can still go to the next level, right? And God, that's what he wants. He wants us to go to that next level to where we don't have to, we don't have to feel that stress where we can live and give uh, uh, and live in a place of freedom. That next point. So really the first step to, to stepping into this financial freedom uh, that we're trying to step into and attain. Is anybody trying to get some financial freedom in the house in your life? Uh, we have to believe, somebody say believe, that God wants us to be blessed and financially free. It has to start somewhere, right? Every story has a beginning. And your financial uh, story of making your way to financial freedom has to start with you believing. You got to believe that God loves and cares about you. That he wants you to be free. Because if you don't believe it, you're not going to change the way that you live. You're not going to change the way that you think. The Word says we have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And you've and, uh, you got to believe that God wants you to be blessed. See, what happens is a lot of us, if we're struggling with money, if we don't have enough money, uh, uh, I'll tell myself, like, you know what, I just don't need money. I actually hate money. And if you have a mentality that way towards money then you won't be able to be able to step into that, that level of belief and faith that God wants to use that thing that you hate to enhance your life. 
not just enhance your life, he wants to enhance the kingdom. Uh, the church that you go to. The family that you're responsible for. And if you hate the thing that God's trying to bless you with, we can't begin to use that. He can't begin to use us. Amen? So we have to believe that he wants us to be financially free. And you know, y'all, we serve the king of kings, right? The Lord of lords. He's adopted us. He's grafted us in. And so our father's a king. That means you as his, his child, daughter, son, you have an inheritance of royalty. He don't want you going without, living less than. He wants you to have a nice house. I don't believe he wants us all to be millionaires. I said that last week. But we should have nice, comfortable homes, nice, comfortable vehicles. We should dress and act a certain way and talk a certain way because we represent him, right? The king of kings. So we need to act like royalty. We got to understand and believe that he wants us to be blessed. The second step, financial freedom, is that we have to understand money. This is really what we talked about where we hung out last week. Y'all, we got to understand that money is just money. If you, if you look at money and think it's this bigger thing, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to uh, dictate everything about your life. In some senses, uh, money is, is a major factor in our lives, but it's not my everything. My, my joy, my strength comes from the Lord. And God, money is money's just money. Money is a tool, right? Money is a tool to get me to the next level. It's a tool to help uh, grow my family, to provide for me. Uh, has uh, anybody ever done like um, some, some carpentry work or construction work or maybe just working around the house? You're doing a chore, you're doing a job. And isn't it awesome when you have that, that, the right tool, that, 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 that exact tool that you need to fulfill that job, right? Uh, we're not talking about using a screwdriver when you need a chisel, <laughs> right? Anybody been there, done that? You're trying to chisel it. You ain't got one, but you got the screwdriver. The next best thing's okay. But when you have the tool that you need, when you have that chisel, man, you can begin to accomplish some things, right? And so when we see money and recognize it, that that's just what it is. It's a tool. Now it can come alongside. I can use it for his glory, and it can, it can enhance uh, my life and my relationship, really, with God. That next point. So uh, we said last week also that our relationship with money affects our relationship with God. We cannot serve God and money. If our hearts are not right towards money, then we will be mastered by money and enslaved by debt or increase. So when I see and recognize and understand money for what it is, that it's just a tool, that it's just money, I also see and recognize that it affects my relationship. And it's, and it's really when I begin to to chase money and I don't live for God, I actually put money in the place where God's supposed to be. And I've actually made money my God. And I said last week that we can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and you can't serve money or the spirit of man. And, and, and I can tell you one thing, uh, as a preacher, as a pastor, God is an awesome master. He loves and cares about me. And he loves and cares about you. But if you allow money to take the place of God in your life, money is a terrible master. You'll, you'll live and die by it. I shared my testimony a little bit last week of, of how I squandered an inheritance that my earthly father tried to use to bless me with. and It was the condition of my heart, right? 
how I misused the thing that God was trying to bless me with. And so when our relationship ain't right with God, no amount of money is going to make me a better person. No amount of money is going to make me more evil than I already am. It was the amount of money that revealed the condition of my heart. Somebody hearing me? And so it's no, no amount of money can fix you or change you or make you better. It's, it's your relationship with Him that is going to make us better and, and that can fix us. Amen. And so I got to see that my relationship with Him has to be the strongest thing in my life. Matthew 6, 24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's Jesus, right? We can't serve one or the other. One's going to take precedence over the other. So we need to chase God. Somebody say, chase God. And when we chase God, we'll see and recognize that money is just a tool. It's not my everything. And God just wants me to be literally a conduit with open hands, not closed fists, not holding on to what I have, not holding on to my life, not holding on to my job, holding on to my family, holding on to my house, holding on to my car, holding on to my ministry. But I'm just a steward of what God's given me so that it can freely flow through me. Amen? So that God can use me. Our first new point for this morning. So this third step, uh, how we're going to wrap this up, the financial freedom, is that we have to work God's system. Somebody say work. We have to work God's system. Because God loves us, He has established a system, a financial freedom, that works for everyone who works it. Y'all, God, He's established a plan. He's established a vision. He said in His Word and uh, we've been uncovering some things that he said and what he says about our money and what he says about your life. And so he's established a system, a plan that will work if you work it. It's like any old system, any good system, it'll work if you work it. y'all. And God is no respecter of persons. He's no respecter of persons. He's not, he doesn't just see a, a Billy Bob over here and say, oh, I'm going to give him all the blessings, all the Benjamins, all the dollar bills, all, all the windows of heaven over Billy Bob. Uh, and Linda Lou, you're jacked up, messed up, a sinner, and you just, uh, we ain't going to give you, you're not entitled to all that stuff. Y'all, Jesus changed all that. But now I have a sin issue I have to deal with. I, you know, I, I got to walk my salvation out, okay? But it's available. God, he, he's no respecter of persons. And, and, and we can all step into a level of financial freedom, uh, and it's, it's available to everybody. All we have to do is listen and obey. All who will listen will benefit. It's to your benefit that you sit and listen today. <laughs> what Jesus used to say all throughout the Gospels, if anyone with ears to hear will listen to what I have to say, because it's our choice. We can sit and listen and obey, or we can sit and listen and, and get our hearts even hardened, right? Anybody been there, done that? <laughs> I wasn't ready for that word, God, not today. And so all we got to do is work this system that God has put in to place. And like any old system, it'll work if you work it. This is what we've been talking about. This is what the system is comprised of, what it looks like. So what well, you're saying, okay, Pastor, you're not hearing what you're saying. But So what is this system? What is God asking me to do? And it's not hard. It's not hard. It's pretty easy. It's pretty practical. All he asks us to do is to tithe by faith. The, the tithe, the first 10% is his. It's holy. It's his. We're going to talk about that. 
Uh, he wants us to give an offering above our tithes. We're going to look at that today. There's a difference between tithing and, and offerings. He wants us to be a good steward, a good manager of the blessings that he gives me. And y'all, in order to be a good manager, a good steward of what he gives me, I have to have a plan. I have to be able to see the state of my flocks, and I see the state of my flocks by having a budget. I have to have a budget. I have to define and see how much I'm bringing in a week, how much I'm bringing in a month, what are my expenses, what are my bills. And you have to begin to tell your money where to go. And, and the, first, the first part of that budget is a tithe. The first 10%, the first fruits, go to him. And so this is the financial system that God has put in place. When we work it, it'll work. God's laid out the plan for us. He just wants us to believe and trust in him. We have to see that, that he loves and he gives, he gives to us, so we give to him. And we understand that I see my inheritance, right? I see my inheritance that has been paid for through Christ. And when we do all these things, when we tithe, when we give, when we, we, we give an offering, when we uh, are steward, when we budget these things, now I step into a level of financial freedom that I've never stepped into. And let me challenge you. Uh, Husbands, a budget is your responsibility. As a husband, as a man, that budget is your responsibility. I, I could stand up here and I'll speak for my wife, Pastor Jessica. I, I do all the finances. We live off my income. And I know that she gets to experience a level of financial freedom and a level of financial peace in her life because she knows I got taken care of. And if, and if you and your spouse are always fighting about finances, y'all, money is one of the biggest things that will tear a marriage apart, a relationship apart. And, and that relationship as the man falls on us. And if you, if you man up and, and start doing that, man, you'll, you can see your relationship go to the next level. Not just your finances. Amen? Because there'll be a peace. She don't have to worry because you're taking care of it. You know the state of your flocks. Amen? That next point. So God's system for financial freedom, it has to begin, it begins with honoring and worshiping God as your provider. Did you know that giving is actually worship? When you give by faith, you are worshiping God the Father. You're saying, God, I see you. I worship you as my provider. I trust because of what you've given me, I'm going to give it back to you. You're not just saying that you believe something. You are by faith giving it by faith, right? And so it's honoring and worshiping God as your provider. And so you got to know that, and hear me, you got to know that the enemy, the devil, he does not want you stepping into this level of freedom in your life. He does not want you worshiping your father in this way. Because when you step into this, uh, the word, we're going to read it in Malachi uh, 3.10, it says, uh, God says, uh, test me in this, in the tithe. Let me prove you that I'm real by, by bringing the store, your tithe into my storehouse. Because when that happens, y'all, you and, you and God are going to, your relationship's going to get closer. Your trust level's going to go up. You're going to begin to say, you know what, God, you are my provider. I believe you, I trust you. I'm going to keep giving every week because he keeps meeting you and proving himself true in your life. And the enemy does not want that to happen in your life. He don't want to just kill you. He wants to rob that peace in your marriage like I was just talking about. That peace in your family. He don't want you dead and going to hell. He wants your kids dead and going to hell. Poor. 
growing up poor, hating God, because if God really loved me, then why are we so poor, Daddy? They have a distorted view of who their father is. And the enemy does that through our giving. It's so simple. And so, but if I really believe that Jesus loves me, if I really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then why is it so hard for me to give? If I really believe, why do I battle in my mind? God, do I, do I really trust you? Can I make $500 a week. I can't give you 50 on the front end, but I love you, Jesus. But I don't love you enough to believe that you really will use this tithe to bless me. You know why we don't? It's doubt. God says we can't live by faith and doubt. We can't be double-minded. We can't go back and forth. We can't be uh, tossed about uh, to and fro as the earth, the world, the people around us. We're just lost. God says, trust me, listen, and obey. Work this system and you will benefit. Work my system and you'll benefit. Amen. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, it says, honor the Lord with your possessions. All your possessions. And with the first fruit, somebody say first fruits, of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Would somebody like some overflow in your life? Come on, I'll take some overflow if you don't want it. Give it to me. Give it to me. And so it's that overflow, and it says the overflow with new wine. That new wine is symbolic of wealth and something new and more than enough. And God wants to overflow your life with more than enough and something new. Uh, sick and tired of driving an old ratty beat up uh, station wagon, an old woody, old wood wall? Well, God wants to overflow you with something brand new. Maybe a brand new Kia Sereno or a brand new uh, Kia Optum or whatever it is you want. You've got to be able to begin to see the steady of your flocks and honor him with what he's already given you so that he can give you more. And he ain't going to give you more if you're not honoring him with what you already have. Does that make sense? He wants to give us overflow. Overflow. That, that, that next point. And so we have to start somewhere. And so the tithe is how we honor and worship God as our provider. It's that first step that we have to take as believers. That first 10% that we give him every week. And tithing is not just giving. It is returning. Somebody say returning. So some of y'all maybe not have heard this or know this, so I'm excited to share this with you this morning. Is returning to God what already belongs to him. And I love this. The tithe is proof that we love God more than we love money. When you begin to, by faith, make up your mind, make up your heart, and say, you know what, I'm giving my tithe every week no matter what. You in that place, in that moment, prove not just to you, but to God your Father that you Love and trust him more than you trust yourself and your own money. And so that's what he wants us to do. But, and you got to know and see and recognize, see that tithing is actually not giving. Tithing is only returning to the Lord what he declares is already his. And so if I'm not returning to God what is already his, what does that make me? A thief. It makes me a robber. You know, you can't give what ain't yours. If I gave my wife $20, which I do sometimes, but when I, before I give it to her, I didn't say, you can go spend this on whatever you want. I said, hey, I need this $20 back like tomorrow. 
And okay, so a day goes by, I come back, I say, hey, you got my $20? She says, no. I say, well, hey, where's my $20? Well, I spent it. I used it. Was that her $20 to spend knowing that it was mine that I gave to her to hold on to me for me? That's exactly how the tithe works. God says, I give you this. I bless you with this whole $500 every week, but the tithe, this holy set apart, is mine. I need you to give it, return it back to me because I'm going to need it to grow my kingdom, to grow my church, to bless hurting broken people through Celebrate Recovery or our kids at Christmas time, Christ for coats or, or souls for shoes, every, every uh, uh, new school year, the things that we do. And so this is how God grows his kingdom. Y'all, we should get excited that we get to give. That we get to return what is his. It shouldn't be something that we have to do. See, that's how we think about it. That's how you talk to yourself. Oh, pastor, I got so much I got to do. Man, I got to preach Jesus. I got to read my Bible. I got to do my quiet time. Now you're asking me, I got to give my 10%. I have to give my 10% every week. God, this is something we get to do. You know how blessed you are? If you woke up in a warm house this morning, if you had enough gas in your gas tank this morning, if you got clothes on your body this morning, man, we're blessed. And as Jessica said, the whole 100% is his. But our God's so good, he says, just bring the 10% back that's mine. Just bring the 10% back that's mine. So something that we get to do. Leviticus 27.30, it says, And all the tithe of all the land, whether seed or of the land, or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy. Somebody say Holy. Unto the Lord. And skip there, verse 32, 27, 32. And concerning the tithe of the herd of the flock, or whatever passes under the rod, that tenth, the tenth one, shall be holy unto the Lord. So God calls um, the tithe, the, the first 10%, holy and set apart. That it's his. We return it back to him because he calls it his. Uh, Malachi 3, 7 through 12. We've used uh, uh, 9 and 10 the last couple weeks. We're going to give you the rest of this chunk today. And so y'all go home and study this out and read it for yourselves and, and, and pray about it and see what you feel like God's saying so you're not just hearing it from me, some young pastor that don't know everything. Amen. So you go home and, and study the word out. Be, be, a, be a, a doer of his word. So verse 7, it says, Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. He says, Return to me. And I will return to you, says the Lord. But you said, In what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, he says. But you say, in what way have you robbed me? And in tithes and in offerings. And here's what he says. He says, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. This whole nation, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, or test me in this, he says, says the Lord. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing for you that there be enough room for you to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the, the vine of, uh, fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be delightful in the land, says the Lord. So if we don't bring our tithes first, work this step that he's, he's established, there's a curse. We are under a curse that needs to be broken, that can only be broken by the tithe. And he says to bring that tithe in so that then he can rebuke the devourer of our lives. 
And so some of us, maybe we, we are living paycheck to paycheck. We feel like we can't get ahead. We feel like everything is always broken and broke down. The dishwasher, the car, the leaky roof, holes in my drywall, uh, broken chairs, broken tables, holes in my couch, all this stuff. And maybe it's because I haven't broken the curse that is over my life because I'm not by faith given the tithe what is holy and set apart unto the Lord. And see, I can't stand up here and say, hey, once you start tithing, your car ain't going to break down. <laughs> I wish I could. But you know what I can say? Y'all, when, when I do that, you know, I sure feel like it. the car breaks down a lot less. Or when it does break down, it's a $50 part instead of a $1,200 part. And God always provides a way to help me get it fixed or provides somebody that knows how to fix it for me that I, can, that I can get to do it with. Somebody maybe I don't have a real great relationship with, all of a sudden now it's not even about money or a car. Now I'm building a relationship with one of my brothers from church who's helped me fix my car. Amen, it's all connected. But so if I don't bring it in, I can't break the curse. Let's look at that next point. So the tide breaks the curse of poverty, it rebukes the devourer and retains the blessing of God over your life. You can't be blessed and financially free if you are a thief and a robber. If you're a thief and a robber, you can't be financially free. And you know what? Thieves and robbers can't prosper. Hence the name thief and robber. <laughs> a thief and a robber are thieving and robbing because they ain't got no money. And so I'm stuck in this vicious cycle if I'm not living by faith in my finances before the Lord. Because I, I'm a thief and a robber, and I feel, and especially if I know that I'm robbing God. It's one thing if I didn't know this before today. Man, we, we're only accountable to what we know. Uh, but after this morning, you're going to be accountable, right? <laughs> and so, uh, but until I, until I come and see that, I can't know that I'm responsible for that. And so God, God... God wants us to break out of that, amen, to break out of that so that I can become made right back uh, with him. And when I tithe, I can now retain and contain the blessing of God in my life. And if I felt like I was robbing God and I knew I was, and I, in my prayer life, I'm trying to pray and I'm trying to uh, uh, speak and pray for other people and do all these things for the kingdom, and I, I feel like my prayers are hitting a wall, I can't even, I can't connect to God, it might be because... I know what I've been doing was wrong. And I can't get back into his good graces until I restore that, that severed area of my life and get connected back to the vine, the lifeblood, who is Jesus. Right? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Those sound like three great things. <laughs> Anybody need some direction in your life? You, you can be connected to the way. Anybody sick of lies and deceit and lying in your life? You're connected to the truth if you want to be. And the life. Life, good life. Here on earth. And then promised eternal life when he calls us home. Sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty good. Let's read Haggai 1, 3 through 8. It says, Then the Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious homes while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. 
This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up to the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. And so some of us maybe are in this place or have been in this place when you literally feel like you have holes in your pockets. You're bringing a check home every week and before you can even sit down to disperse it, it's already gone. And God says, as long as you continue to rob and thieve from me, this will be your life. You won't have enough. You won't be satisfied enough. You'll have food, but you won't be full. You'll have clothes, but you'll be cold. And you'll have money, but it'll be like you have money in your pockets with holes in it. And so it's this simple. When I steal from God, I struggle. It's that simple. If you keep stealing and robbing from God, you will struggle. And not just struggle, now your peace is gone. Now you're angry all the time. Now you're stressed. Now you're frustrated. And God says, just trust me. Trust me. And I'll take care of you. I'm a king. I went beforehand and prepared a table has a chair with your name on it. All you got to do is take your place. Take your place at my table, my son and daughter. Come, I'll show you. Follow me. Listen to me. I can help you. Amen, it's that simple. So as believers, y'all, hear me, our tithe is mandatory. <laughs> if you are a believer in Jesus, to be right with him after what you've just listened to this morning, now you're accountable, your tithe is mandatory. Because the tithe is just returning to God what is his, right? And let me say this. We're going to talk about offerings here in a moment. Offerings are different from tithes. Your tithe comes in to the church that you call home. If that's Liberty Church, praise Jesus. If that's, if that's Joppa Church of God, Praise Jesus. Wherever your home church is, is, that's where you're getting filled, right? That's where you're growing. That's where, that's where God's feeding you spiritually. That's where your tithe is brought into, the, His storehouse. So we don't give our tithes to, to things like pave the way or, or, or coats for Christ or our Christmas adoption Christmas tree. That's, that's extra. My tithe comes in by faith every week to help grow the church that's helping me grow. Does that make sense? So we don't, that's how we, not, we don't rob God. We bring our tithe to where I'm being fed spiritually, where I'm growing, and where I call home. That's where the tithe comes in. The next point. So God's system for financial freedom, it begins with tithing, okay? But then as we mature and begin to live for him longer and longer, it can grow and grows and moves into a place of offering. And an offering is anything that you give above your tithe and that you get to decide how much and to whom you will give. Your offering sets the measure, somebody say measure, of your return. This is the good news I have for you. And you get to choose the size of your bucket. You get to choose the size of your blessing. Did you know you had a blessing bucket somewhere? And you get to determine the size of it. It could be this big, it could be this big. It might have holes in it. Based on your heart and, and how much you're uh, not just tithing, but how much you're giving above and beyond your tithe. Because our tithe is the minimum, but our offering is extra. So if you want some extra blessing in your life, it's through our offerings that we can have. Now the offerings are the things that I can bring in and give to things like pave the way. 
Or if I watch a, a, a Christian a preacher or somebody on TV every week, you know, they always take up an offering for their, their ministry that they do. I could give my offering to that. Do not give your tithe to somebody that you watch on TV. That would be considered an offering, something extra above and beyond. And so it's the tithe that empowers us to retain and contain the blessing, but it's the offering that determines the overflow. Somebody getting excited? The overflow in your life is determined by the amount of offering, the extra that you give to God. You know, it don't even have to be money. I know we're talking about money. But you know, anything extra you give to God, extra time, extra, extra uh energies, efforts within the ministry, anything you can give extra to somebody at work, an extra word, an extra few moments, an extra prayer, something extra, an offering that goes above and beyond something that you regularly would do determines the blessing over your life. It determines the overflow. Let's read Luke 6.38. Y'all, I love this scripture. You hear me say it all the time. And so it says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. That sounds like a rap. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you see or that you use, it will be measured back to you. And see, he says, he says, give and it will be given to you. Not return and it will be returned to you. Right? Because the tithe is returning. The offering is giving. Is anybody following? And so he says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, and put in your bosom. But with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And so the, those things that you give, and God loves a cheerful giver, and so we got to do it with the right heart also. And so when I do that, not am I just filled with, with, with that excitement, expectation, love, joy, and peace as I'm doing it and giving of myself. Now I'm expecting God to do something even bigger and grander in my life. And I don't give just so that I, I'm living and, and operating for blessings from God. I, I give because I love Jesus. And the blessings are extra. Pressed down, shaking together, and running over the overflow of my life. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, he says, But this, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So the amount that you give is equivalent to the amount that you have, have given and used. Amen? Verse 7, Each one of you, as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, somebody say all things, may have an abundance in every good work. In Proverbs eleven twenty five, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others, them, they themselves will be refreshed. When you refresh somebody else, you better believe, if you're refreshing others for his sake, that God's going to refresh you. Right? If you, by faith, refresh somebody else for Jesus, why do you think God the Father ain't going to refresh you for helping somebody else out? Man, you better believe and know that he's got you and that he loves you. Here's the cool thing. God surpasses whatever we give. He gives more. You can't outgive God. Go ahead and try and get back with me. Let me know how that goes. You can't outgive the creator, the alpha, the omega. You can't outgive him. It's like if you're playing a poker game. God sees you and he raises you. 
I see what you gave. I raise you. More love, more mercy, more grace. A brand new car, brand new house. All that brand new stuff you need for your kids. I see, I see your sacrifice. I see, let me show you what I can do when you trust me. He gives, he gives more. The next point, God's system for financial freedom after we, we move from tithing, uh, graduating into offerings, it moves into management and margin. God, good managers are diligent. They know where everything goes and they create margin. God rewards faithful and fruitful managers with more. God wants us to be responsible with what he has already given us. If I'm not being responsible with the blessings that I have in my life currently, why would he give me more? God is not going to bless your mess. You need divine order. And if you need help doing that, man, we have some amazing people that have walked through this stuff that can help you. I'll help you. You need some divine order in your life. You need to know the next first step. And so God can't come in and bless your mess. He wants to, but he needs you to, he needs you to respond to him first. And he needs us to be, be good managers and good stewards of what he's, what he's given us. 1 Corinthians 4.2, it says, Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. Somebody who is put in charge must be faithful. Anybody have a job? You probably have a manager or a boss, somebody who's over you, who's, who's earned that, that right, that privilege to have that place of authority because they were responsible probably. I hope and pray. Depending on where you work, <laughs> that may not be the case. But I hope and pray that is the case because they've earned the place that they have, right? And God's the same way. He, 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 the thing is, though, if you really think about it, man, God trusts us way more than we ever begin to trust him. Let me prove it to you. Think about your life right now. If you've got to close your eyes, whatever you've got to do. Think about how blessed you are right now. Your house, your car, your kids, grandkids, clothes, food in the cabinets, food in the fridge, heater, air conditioner that works, roof over your head, a job, people who love and care about you. Hope you're seeing how blessed you are. Here's how I know God trusts us more than we trust him. Because he's blessed you to be a good manager and steward over all that. He's already given you the chance beforehand to give him glory. But we, by faith, sit on this, this, this fence and, and I believe, and I doubt, and I, and I believe, and I doubt. And, and so we just got to see that it's all because of him. And when I see that, it makes me thankful, right? And when we're thankful, now I can move by faith and become a, a manager and a steward of what he's, he's given me with. I see the responsibility. Y'all, God, give us the responsibility, which is so crazy, to be pastors of a church. It blows my mind, but, but I build myself up and speak over myself when I start to feel fearful and doubtful, and that happens. And I say, you know what, God, you wouldn't have given us that responsibility, that place of authority if we weren't first responsible with little. With little. When I'm responsible with little, he gives me more. 
Amen. Proverbs 27, 23, it says, Be diligent and know the state of your flocks. Attend to your herds. So hear me. God wants you to pay attention. All those things we just talked about, your life, whatever that looks like, your box, your bubble, you need to begin to pay attention. If you got a neighbor, go ahead and look at him and say, hey, y'all sound pretty quiet. Say, hey, pay attention. Amen. Hey, God wants us to pay attention to the state of our flocks. I got to know how my flock is. I got to know how much I'm bringing in. I got I to gotta know how much I'm paying out every month. I got to know the state of my life, the state of my flocks. I got to pay attention. And when I do, I become a good manager. I become a good steward. I, I set up margins for error. I have a plan. I work his system, but I have a plan. Divine order. Amen. Haley and uh, Meredith, you want to make your way? And so literally, that's exactly, I'm using this word manager and steward. It's symbolic. It's really the same. A manager is a steward. A steward, though, if you think about it, what is a steward? A steward is somebody who is always looking out for the best interest of the rightful owner. Somebody who is a manager at your workplace or somebody who is a leader and a manager within a church, they are stewarding, uh, uh, responding, acting, towards the, 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 the right way, they're looking for the best interest of the rightful owner. That person is looking out for the company that is over them. And so God calls us to be a steward of what he's given us. So not am I just looking over it for my sake when I begin to see that it's from him. I'm looking over it and I see it that it's, it's actually his. And so now I have a bigger purpose in my life. And so I'm looking out for the best interest of God the Father, the proper owner of the things that he's just entrusted to me. And the better we manage and steward what God gives us, the more, somebody say more, he will give us. The more he'll give us. Matthew 25, 14 through 29. Y'all will recognize the scripture. Jesus is preaching what the kingdom of God looks like through a parable. He says the kingdom of God is like this. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man Going on a long trip, he called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. After a long time, their master returned from the trip and called them to give an account to how they had used his money. Let me stop there for a second. In this same way, you and me and everybody else on the face of this planet is going to have to give an account to their master, who is God the Father, who says that at one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. We'll have to give an account to how we used the money, the blessings that he gave us in our lives. Is anybody hearing me? So if I'm robbing God every week with the tithe, I'm going to be responsible for that if I knew that that was something that God called from me. And so we're all going to have to give an account to how we used his money. That last part of that scripture, he, he called them to give an account of how they used his money. God is going to call us to give an account. How did you use the money that I blessed you with? Did you use it for good? Did you use it for evil? Did you use it for self-gain? Did you do anything for my kingdom with the money that I gave you? Skip to verse 28. So if you read the rest of that out, y'all know what happens, right? 
The guy with five bags, he's a great steward. He doesn't just hold on to it. He goes and grows it, invests it, brings back even more to the master. The guy with two does the same. He grows it, invests it, brings it back. The guy with one, what did he do? He held on to it. He was fearful. He didn't live by faith. He actually went and buried it. He brings it back, and, and he says this. He says, then he ordered, take the, the money from this servant, the guy who didn't do anything with it, who held on to it, and give it to the one with ten bags of silver, to those who use well what they are given, even more, somebody say more, will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And so if you feel like you don't even have anything to give, that's what happens. God can even take the little that you have and take the rest of it away. And so, you know what? Here's the dynamic of this story maybe you never thought about. Maybe some of us are sitting there thinking, you know what? Maybe, maybe I, I'm not well off. Maybe I feel like I, I am struggling. I don't have anything to give. See, maybe, maybe what we do is we, we, we think about it like this. The one guy had five bags. The one guy had two bags. And the dude who got one bag was maybe sitting there thinking, man, he got five. He got two and I got one. And so maybe he thought, I don't have enough to give. Maybe that's us. Maybe I see so-and-so across the street. They got the amazing house, the amazing car, all the stuff. Uh, they can definitely give because they're doing great. And I look at my life and I, and I see one bag. It doesn't matter if you have one bag or five bags. It's the blessing of God that you have to steward what you have. And so when I steward what I have, the blessing's the same. He can give us more. So if we don't take care of what we have, what God has given us, why would God give us more? Faithful, fruitful managers get more. Go ahead and begin to declare this over yourself. Say, God, I am now a faithful, fruitful manager. Amen. Of what you've given me. The last point, God wants us to be financially free because we have to believe, we have to understand, and we have to work God's system. That's it. We got to believe that he wants us to be blessed. I have to understand that money's just money. That it's just a tool. And then I have to get to work, the fun part. <laughs> I have to work this system that God's already devised the plan. We've given it to you. Tithe, offer, give it yourself, be a good steward, manage, plan, prepare. And when I do that, I experience financial freedom. And here's the good news. When God's people are financially free, financially blessed, have more than enough, the world out there is a better place. I gave you a statistic at the beginning of this. It says less than 5% of believers in the church worldwide are faithful tithers. They said we could just break into 20, 30% of faithful tithers. We could cure types of cancers. We could cure world hunger. What would happen if we got into 80, 90, 100%? If the church caught on fire for God? And everybody was giving their tithe, bringing their, their tithe back into his storehouse so he could use it to expand the kingdom. What could happen? I don't know what could happen. I bet it would be something pretty awesome. But I can tell you this. I can't worry about them. I can't worry about their lives. I can't worry about other churches. I can't even worry about other churches in the Holly Pond. We love and care about them. All I can do is focus on Ian. Because I make more than Miss Jessica, I make more than Miss uh, Pay, more or less than Miss Payton. I don't know how much everybody makes. All I know is how much I make, and I have to be responsible for what he's given me, and that's all I'm accountable to. 
Amen. And so when I do that, now God can work. Amen. Let's get in his presence. I want us to just, uh, just close our eyes and just bow our heads and just get in his presence. As we close this out, I want you to, to go back and sit there and think of your life again. And see and recognize how blessed you are. See, the thing is, we'll tell ourselves, yo, I just can't afford to tithe. If you tell yourself you can't afford to tithe, you're never going to come to a place where you can afford to tithe. <laughs> you have to tithe by faith beforehand. And so, but just see how blessed you are. And I hope that moves you to a place of thankfulness. And I hope that moves you to a place where you see God as a father, a loving father who cares about you, who's not going to leave you or forsake you. And if that's the place you've moved into, to begin to just worship him and thank him and say, God, I'm going to be a good steward of, of who you are and what you've done for me. God, I'm going to preach Jesus until you call me home, God, because you're that good. As we're sitting here in his presence, I just want to take a moment. If you're here with us this morning and I don't know where you're spiritually at, but if you are in a place where you're just spiritually not good, maybe you've never accepted Jesus in your life, we call it being born again or getting saved, where you, you by faith say, you know what, man, I've tried everything, drugs, alcohol, pornography, I've tried to chase joy and happiness that the world has to offer, and I'm more miserable now than I've ever been, and you know what, I'm willing to give this Jesus guy, this church, God, a chance. If that's you here in a moment, I want to give you an opportunity to do something about it. Or you know what? If, if maybe you have done that before, you've, you've gotten saved, or you've said the prayer, but you know what? You've fallen away. And you need to just uh, be restored this morning and say, you know what? I'm making a new commitment. Today's a new day. Jesus, I'm going to follow you today. I'm choosing you today. If that's you, here in a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something. So if you're either of those two people right now in this place, everyone's praying, no one's looking at you, I want you to right now that's you. If God's speaking to you, I want you to stand up. To stand up right now in his house, in this place. And I know standing up in a public place might be a lot. It can be kind of scary and intimidating. And you say, why do I have to stand up? I say you have to stand up because the Bible says faith without works is dead. If I just believe it's not enough. I can say, oh, I'll just say a prayer when I get home. You got to do something by faith, by action right now. And if the God, the King of Kings is talking to you right now personally, showing you that you and him aren't right, but you can be right just by standing for him, then why would you not do that? The King of Kings is talking to you right now. So I'm going to give you a few more seconds if that's you to stand up for him. Amen.